Alicia Holdaway, your 2020 board president. Curtis Bullock, CEO for the Salt Lake Board of Realtors. Ace Alec, incoming president of the Salt Lake Home Builders Association. Dion Eskich, University of Utah Gardner Policy Institute, Senior Research Associate. Okay. Welcome to another episode of the Salt Lake Board of Realtors podcast. Hopefully you listened to episode 38, where we began the conversation of just, you know, where we're headed in 2021 and a look at how things have have gone in 2020, um, both in regards to the, the housing market and, um, you know, the, some of the fears that come along with such uncertainty in, in a wild world that we live in today, um, how the economic forces, if you will, are impacting the housing market. Um, so such a good discussion. We're going to continue it today and talk about, you know, the, the uh, what's going on with the pandemic, the economic overall um, picture and the growing importance of home as we face, you know, stay at home orders and, and realizing just how important those four walls are. So thanks again for joining us today. So um, I, I, we talked, we kind of alluded to the construction piece of this, the new construction piece of this puzzle. And, you know, I personally have clients, I have a client building um, a second home down south. I have clients that are building their dream home right now. We're selling their house. They bought a lot. Um, And the big question and unnerving piece right now is lumber prices, um, labor constraints, and therefore, again, supply and demand increases labor cost. Um, Where, Ace, do you, um, where do you see things going? Because like you talked about, lumber didn't just one day decide to double in price. Like nobody just randomly decided to go up 187% in in lumber costs. Um, What caused that? And then also, is it going to stay forever or do we see that loosening up anytime soon? Uh, So the reason it happened, Alicia, is because they stopped production during COVID, again, out of that fear element, right? Now that people understand COVID, they're not, because remember at the time, everybody's like, how does it, how do we pass this thing? What's going on? Is this going to wreck? You know, the stock market went down to what, 18,000. So people got paralyzed, right? And so they stopped production. What happened was everybody got comfortable again. Numbers went down. You know, most construction projects and industries were considered um, essential, right? In most local governments. So they continued. Well, then people started coming out of the woodwork. And as a quirk of COVID, home became that much more important, right? mixed with interest rates dropping at the time. And people are saying, a lot of people don't realize this, where rates are right now, to borrow $100,000 costs about 400 bucks a month. About 420, 400, I mean, depending on where rates are. So so to spend that extra 100,000, right? And add that, not to mention you're writing off a chunk of that, um, really encouraged people to continue buying, right? And continue building and put them in that comfort level. So lumber has adjusted, it is down off its all time high. and I, I don't want to, I don't want to um, belittle the impact of those lumber prices, but people tend to fixate. But to put it in perspective, if you take a lumber bid, you know, on a $500,000 home, you might be looking at an additional maybe $7,000, right? Just in lumber from that all-time high from where it was before. It's not, it's not going to be a make or break. You know, we, we looked at one, I looked at one with a builder the other day, um, and it was about it was about fifteen thousand dollars on a million five build, is what it had added. In net, I mean, by the time you compare old bid to new bid, 
right, from that previous three or four months. So it is an increase, but it's people throw those percentages around like it's just adding to the total bid. It's not. A big part of that is still labor. A big part of that is still, you know, what they're charging on trust. The, the lumber material itself um, is ultimately not a make or break. Now, where it is impacting people is with some of the production builders, right, where they're pushing it across the board and it's on some of the more affordable housing. Um, that's where it is causing an impact because builders are already getting squeezed, you know, and, and there's a perception that they're just making money hand over fist. I can tell you from reviewing PLs and looking at some of the numbers with a lot of builders, that's simply not the case. They're working with very, very similar constraints, right? Um, in terms Sorry, of those costs. To that very point, you know, I had a client this summer, well, in uh, the end of August who you know, they were on a reserve, they had a reservation for, and this is an affordable price range, right? Um, yep. In the high 400s. Um, and uh, they had a reservation for a lot with a builder and their typical increase of $5,000 per phase suddenly turned to $15,000. And it was this reactionary, oh my God, lumber prices from the builder and it yep. pushed my buyer out. Yep. price point wise and so it is to your point um from again boots on the ground we're definitely seeing that in those more affordable price points yeah and and costs have gone up i mean people most people who are building now and we're seeing this a lot the last time they built if they're on their second build was back you know 10 years ago and and costs are up i mean costs in general are if you look at just even the cost of automobiles you know even at inflation one to two percent a year it's, it just costs more to build. Now, if you co compared to other states, we're doing awesome. You know, I, I have a friend who's, who's here from Arizona and he, he can't believe what people can build for here. He's like, how do you guys build these custom homes for $230 a foot? And I'm like, man, that's really high. <laughs> like you should have seen it, you know, um, you know, five years ago even. So uh, unfortunately um, it is the cost of building, but it's also good for everybody's home prices. And there is a big full circle here. Right, because as construction costs go up, then people start looking at an existing inventory as more attractive. Right, so it's not. They're also. It's also a function of appreciating home values at the moment, because it it it's just moving the whole cycle up. Right, Utah's in a is in a growth mode again. Number one in population growth in the last ten years. Right, number two only behind Idaho in population growth in the last year. So I mean, it's it's we have we have some real supply and demand issues right now. Um, and people want to be here, you know. My brother moved here. He's a physician, and he he found a job here, and he he stayed. Like people that come here, they, they want to be here. It's a great place to live. And and we're getting we're getting discovered, Alicia. I hate to break it to you. The country's <laughs> catching on. <laughs> but to to add a little bit um, to, to that, so we're in the process. Every fall, I survey the home builders, just kind of get their take on life and the market, and. That, you know, lumber was a big issue for them going on, but from my sense with them, they've kind of figured that one out. And some of the earlier challenges were, you know, they could, one builder couldn't find refrigerators. Everybody's struggling with cabinets today, or you know, somebody had a shortage of microwaves. So you're seeing some random things pop up that that are adding issues. But another concrete labor is a big one right now too. Yeah, but but an, an, another thing that's added you know, just problems to it is, you know, cities have been understaffed for a while going to work from home. Now there's project delays, you know, roughly, you know, add, add a week or two to that 
as well on the closing. So that hurts as well. Um, so you, you have all these underlying things, but the biggest still factor, I think, in our market is land prices. That That is, you know, if you, you live and die by the price of your land, no, no matter what, everything else, you, you're kind, you kind of understand where your costs are. Even when lumber goes up, you still kind of know where it is. But if you buy the dirt at, at the wrong price, you know, the, the builders tend to be in trouble. Um, another interesting thing kind of on that affordability front. So just because of, how interest rates have moved this year. So if we looked at it nationally, you know, the last time, so we're talking about payment now, you know, forget about the price for a minute, but because um, interest rates have fell down so much, we're as, we're somewhere where we were last September, okay? But if we look at some of the markets like Seattle, the last time Seattle was this affordable was in February, 2017. San Francisco and kind of the greater Bay Area, mid 2013. So th that's how much of a drastic impact interest rates have had. Yeah, every every 1% in interest rate is about 13, I think it's 13.7%, just under 14% in buying power. Yeah. Right? So, so I mean, to, to your point, on a million dollar home, that's literally the same payment, right? As, as it would have been at $860,000. Now you can pay a million for the same house and your payment's the same on 1% in interest rate. Right. Right. So, I mean, it's a lot of buying power. At least that's a good one to tell the agents for their buyers. Right. It's like, look, this might be 7% more, but if rates go up a point, you're 14% higher. Right. Oh my gosh. Like we, it's like we scripted this. We didn't, but that was going to be my next question to you oh. is if you look at the affordability index, that's something I watch, you know, closely if the NER essentially says, you know, at, at this median price with this median uh, income, how many people can afford the home and um, you know you watch that index go up meaning affordability is increasing while we have these increasing prices you know um, Dayon you mentioned uh, from January to September a 15% increase in, in, in appreciation people look at that and go why would I buy today and yeah. yet what you just said Ace it's the same payment almost, you know, 15% appreciation, 14% right. essentially based uh, affordability power based on 1% drop. In many cases, I mean, be the, between the time I, I personally built a house in June of 2018, which just so happened to be almost a peak of interest rates in a while, like it, they yeah. kept going up. And I closed um, at 4.75%. And it, today, I'm at 2.125%. It's wild. Like 2.5% difference in two years. My, I went to a 15-year payment, and my payment is barely, I mean, a 15-year mortgage, and my payment is barely more than it's when crazy. I started. It's, it's wild. So I just, I don't think we can stress this point enough to our buyers, it, to the consumer, to help them actually understand, cut through the natural emotion that happens in this competitive market that we have and the rising interest or the rising prices that they're dealing with and the, the multiple offers and paying over asking prices. When you really stop to look at what this does to your family's ability to have cash flow on a monthly basis, right? Because that's what matters to our consumer. Yeah. You're buying into a purchase. I mean, you're buying into a payment that impacts your day-to-day -day life. 
your ability to travel <laughs> when we're able to travel again, um, your ability to uh, pay for things, you know, have a discretionary cash. That payment is so uh, bolstered today by those interest rates. I don't think we can stress that point enough of the affordability in spite of the rising prices. There, there's, a, uh, there's an association that, that we made about a year ago between model home traffic. If you look at national model home track it, and we compared it with the 10 year bond, right? With interest rates. And it was, it was almost scary how, how much it coincided, right? This was all before COVID um, and some of this pent up demand issues we're having, but model home traffic and whether people know it or not, um, it is very associated with interest rates and, and how the 10 year bond moves, which is interesting. Because I don't think most people watch it that closely, you know, but I, I wonder if it's a subconscious association. Yeah. Well, to your point too. So just, you know, using March as like the pivot for the year because of COVID. Okay. Yeah. So the the median on a single family medium price, the monthly payment has gone down 0.17% between March and September. Yeah. So even though you've had crazy price acceleration because those interest rates fell so fast, which is about right. It's about one and a quarter, one and a third is about where it's gone from. You yeah. know, it went from about three, seven, five to like two, six, or, you know, that it adds up. And it's a great opportunity and it, it would be unfortunate for, for buyers. And again, bringing them back to, right. We're not, this isn't your 401k. You need a place to live. Right. So you got to look at, what are the tax deductions they're getting? What are the, even if prices stay the same, how much principal is being paid down in that year? What's the appreciation that could come from the new development that they're looking at, right? Because as more and more homes get built out there, it becomes more desirable. They tend to cost less earlier in the development and more towards the end, right? Because people know what they're getting. It's, it, I advise all our employees to buy homes. You know, it's, it's, if you're a wage earner, it's simply too hard to build that kind of wealth without investing in a home that you're actually going to use every day, right? And, and I think there's an intangible too that maybe we can't measure with data, which is the emotion, which is now people are more connected at home than they've ever been. That fire pit means more than it's ever meant, right? That swimming pool means more than it's ever meant. Um, and I, in my opinion, I think it's, I believe that to be a permanent change. I do. I think that that's something it's going to take a decade or more to recover from. And I don't think it's a bad thing, but so if there is an emotional side, it's driving even more people home and wanting to invest more in their home. Yeah. Dayon, you mentioned that earlier, you know, the, the interesting, um, going back to the perfect storm and we had a lot of these factors already kind of in play prior to COVID and then almost the fuel to it all was this increase. I mean, obviously everybody's, you have a value to the four walls around your family, right? Um, but when we're stuck at home, <laughs> when, we, when literally quote unquote, the safest place we can be is in, within our own four walls, it creates suddenly a totally different emotion around our homes and working from home and doing school from home and, and all the things. Yeah, I think, you know, there has definitely been a sh like a preference shift. So it's interesting to see whether this will be a permanent shift or a temporary shift in buyer preference. But you're starting to see builders and even apartment builders kind of shift to catch on to that marketing of 
of work from home space. So I think it's having impacts on that. But what's interesting too, you know, we don't track really mortgage data as much, but just looking at the refinancing volume. But what we also do see just record breaking in terms of um, construction value is on the remodeling side, additions and remodels in our market. So, you know, if we looked at through the year so far, we're up, you know, nearly 22% where we were last year, you know, we've added like $1.3 billion of investment into existing structures. The existing homeowners have added. So that's going to translate into equity, whether they use personal finances to do that or they, you know, they took out a refinancing loan. Um, I'm not quite sure on that spread, but you're starting to see, to uh, see a lot of more of that because of where kind of and kind of going to, to your guys' point of that emotional threshold, just looking at the price and having the sticker shock. I think that's also pushed people back from getting into the market when they see, hey, I can refinance my house from a 4.75 to a 2.1 and you know add a new wing or a new floor. Yeah, you see a lot of that right now as well. Yeah, there are companies, Wall Street Journal had an article about a handful of companies, I mean, big ones. I don't want to misquote who they are. We could look them up who are now moving to permanently working from home. I mean, huge employers. I mean, if that doesn't encourage people to get that, build that bigger home with the office over the garage, you know what I mean? I don't know what does. Like, and that's why I think it's, there's going to be permanent impacts from this. It, it simply, uh, we, we, we haven't seen a pandemic like this before. And I think some of the impacts are going to be um, culturally, are going to change how we do business and how we live at home culturally. Um, not in a bad way, but, uh, you know, in my opinion, in a good way. Yeah, you're starting to see, you know, I mean, it's still maybe pro preliminary, but early to really talk about migration numbers, but you are starting to see that. And a lot of, from what I'm just kind of talking to the builders who their buyers are out of state, it's California and Seattle. And it is a tech-oriented buyer. And yeah, New, I, New York. Yeah. I know Microsoft's, Microsoft was one of them allowing um, employees to work 50% or more from home permanently and managers to choose if they want to or not, right, as a permanent work from home place. So, I mean, that's, that's one that is leading the charts that I just looked up really quick. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I know there was a couple others that, that I'm sure we could just Google it, but um, I think they're not seeing the hit in productivity they thought. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's allowing them to save money. I mean, companies, if you think they're not looking at what expensive lease space was costing and, and how much money they're saving, it's, it's, they are. Hey, Alicia, can I just ask with, with what you all just talked about with, uh, Microsoft and working from home, how's that going to impact commercial, uh, leasing and renting and, and those types of things. There's a lot of commercial buildings around, Silicon slopes here. I wonder how much vacancy there's going to have. We have some in, in the office here. Any data or info about that? I can speak to it a little bit. Um, we've been tracking this anecdotally. I think there is a reckoning coming. And I, I, I think there's two schools of thought so far. So I, I'm speculating just like everybody else, but, and it depends on company culture. You know, if you're a company that is, maybe even more successful and more productive working from home and you don't need uh, that team environment, I think you move to working from home. But I think on, on the flip side of that, you're gonna see an increase for office space 
because you know you're going to require more square feet per employee because of social distancing or some of those factors we're no longer comfortable being kind of you know sardines in a corner in a cubicle um i think there there's a reckoning on retail i mean we've had the term retail armageddon for almost i feel like a decade now and this has been exacerbated if you look at you know who's filing for bankruptcy it's like you know beginning of every year there's a, some sort of business insider article Wall Street journal that shows you a thousand stores that are closing this year and i think that's only gonna further increase but i think that creates an interesting opportunity for housing development because you're able to, to to look at redevelopment opportunities some of these but you know on the retail side like grocery stores are killing it you know they, they grocery stores tend to do better in in uh in recessions just because people aren't going out but the restaurant at least restaurant sales you know they're like six percent below where they are this time of year they were as low as 40 percent early on in april but you know kind of the figuring out how to do to-go orders really efficiently has stopped the bleeding i mean they're still bleeding but you know like now, you know, if I was opening a restaurant, the first thing I would figure out is how to make my online order super easy and simple. So, and we're, a year ago, you, you didn't even think about ordering online. Yeah. yeah class A retail is struggling right now. Um, I'm sorry, class A retail is doing, is doing well. Class B retail is not doing well. Class A office space um, is struggling, industrial and commercial. South Salt Lake down to Draper is up, like warehousing with offices because people are moving more to smaller offices and more warehousing space as they move more online. So there's actually been quite an uptick in industrial and commercial, and demand has never been stronger. We've seen, we've seen we our development company does a lot with that, and we've seen some record pricing. Oh man, we I feel like we could go on for a long time. <laughs> I love these discussions um, because I just so appreciate the wealth of knowledge and research and um, data driven, um, but also as it applies, I mean, Ace, you bring such a unique perspective being, you know, development, residential, commercial, mortgage, and in the perspective of the Home Builders Association where you're communicating with those um, you know, small to large builders. And anyway, I just so appreciate your perspective and, and same with you, Dayan. I mean, I'm always blown away with the amount of data that you guys track. And it's not, uh, you know, I always say the data has to actually tell a story and you have to really understand what, what story the data is telling versus just looking at points on a chart, right? And um, the both of your ability to actually understand the story that's being told there is is really impactful so i appreciate both of you um a lot and uh you know i think it'll be interesting come spring you know of 2021 maybe we circle back around and and do this again and, and just look at you know what happened over the next six months because we're going to see this you know winter phase of covid right and, and kind of second wave and and see what so see what happens there so Anyway, I just appreciate you both. And um, I would be remiss if I ended this podcast without just pointing to the fact of once again, why using a realtor is so incredibly important in this type of transaction. You know, you're talking about a life event of the emotion that goes into buying and selling and, um, you know, 
I, I view my role as a realtor so much as a guide um, to, to kind of wade through all of the misinformation and, and a lot of the myths and um, reactionary decisions that may be solely based on emotion and help people really thoughtfully look at the data um, so that they can make more logical decisions while realizing it's an emotional process, period, end of story, right? Totally. But uh, you know, um, if I can encourage our realtor members more than ever, um, even though we're in this, once we get off this podcast, going to wade through 17 offers on a property. Um, and, uh, you know, we've got to really help our clients understand the perspective of cutting through the emotions and really understanding what's forging ahead. So um, never has there been a more important time than now for people to really lean into the value of a realtor. And never has there been a more important time for realtors to really, really take their job seriously and do it well. Alicia, I, I do wanna say something at a cornerstone of this, and you touched on it just now, which I appreciate, which is talking about some of the emotion of this, right? Is that we spend a lot of time talking about the data, but the fear is very real. People have fear of COVID. They have fear of purchasing a home even without that, right? Fear built around the election. I don't think we've ever seen um, as much passion for good and bad as there is right now. There's just all this fear and it gets projected in a lot of different, you know, directions. But, you know, it's important to be, uh, I mean, three things is what we always look at is to be data driven, number one, but also to have a, to have a good mindset, right? And to understand that fear does one of two things with people. It either paralyzes or motivates, you know? And if people let it paralyze them, they'll get lost in their own minds. They'll make no moves. They'll keep you know, assigning their anxiety to whatever's going on. But hopefully this data helps them keep a positive outlook on all this because the truth is it is very positive, right? We still live in the greatest country in the world where there's every opportunity where you can still build all this wealth in your home and your appreciation, right? Um, and then to have them, you know, use that fear to, to again, to, to motivate them, not paralyze them, right? To motivate them with action, to go seek opportunities, to go seek things. And I see that as the main cancer because the fear is the cancer. Um, and it's usually unfounded. That's, that's the sad part. And it causes so many problems across the board. Um, and then to help them take massive action and make it better for themselves. So anyway, just a side note that I think that it would be cool to, to address every one of us in, in, in our own way, because we have influence with that. Oh my gosh, so important. That's so funny. Um, you know, I was talking to Dave yesterday about my, uh, just brainstorming what my article would be this month for the realtor magazine. And it was exactly that. How do we, um, you know, last, what was it last Friday when that state of emergency text message went, went out? Yeah. Um, I'm going to be honest. I just, you know, that coupled with a few other things, I hit what I would call my COVID breaking point. I mean, I cried <laughs> for no reason. Like I literally unleashed on my sister who I love dearly and stood in my bathroom bald. And my husband comes in and he's like, I don't feel like the situation calls for this. <laughs> like so, so kindly trying to be like, what the hell, man? Yeah. And I just, you know, I think we've all at some point or another or at, at multiple times have kind of hit that breaking point. And yet, you know, quickly just turning around and going, okay, what can I control? What is out of my control? What part parts am I just letting the emotion of the endlessness of it all um, get to me? Whereas, you know, going back to like, zip, get back into, I'm, I can only control this. 
and the thing between my shoulders is the most important thing. And anyway, so your point is so important. We have to work on ourselves. We do. And some days I just want to throw it out there. Some days it's okay not to be okay. Yeah, um, totally. I think we give ourselves that grace also. Well, it's, it's, you don't want to be in denial where you're, where you're closing things off. But what, what we've, what we've advised is like acknowledge, you know what I mean? Okay. Let's acknowledge it. Right. We don't want to deny it. Let's acknowledge for a second. Let's go deep. Okay. Are we feeling it now? What? <laughs> you know, and when you That's acknowledge time. it, you take its power away. Yeah, yeah. You you acknowledge it. You indulge. Just just don't go down as far and don't stay down as long. I mean, that's always the key. That's kind of how winning is done. Um, it, it, you see any champion? That's how they do it, right? Yeah. They they just don't go down as far and they don't stay down as long. So it's okay to acknowledge, but now what? Right now we've got to get motivated and get focused and take massive action, right, to progress. And um, that message I don't hear enough right now. And I, and I think that, that addressing that along with some good data helps. And we talked about this just due to, you know, people's natural negative bias, right? So yeah. I don't know, as, as influencers in the industry, I, I want to put that out there for everybody who wants to solve the issue big picture. Well, I appreciate that a lot. Thanks again for listening. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. And uh, we'll join you soon, I'm sure. Thanks, Alicia. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate you.